0: with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast, and speaking of music, that song that played me in is titled Cigars All Around. It is by Deerhoof, and my guest today is the drummer and singer of that song, Greg Sinier. Uh, That song is on a compilation album that I co-produced with Adam McKay and Sub Pop. It is called The 11th Hour, Songs for Climate Justice. 100% of the proceeds of that album go to the Climate Emergency Fund, It's a 20-song album. There's a lot of great songs on there and artists like Cloud Nothings, Moby, the Death Valley Girls, Fake Fruit. I don't know why I said it that way. Fake Fruit, Mud Honey. Uh, Boy, oh boy, it's a long list of great bands. And so check it out. Uh, And all of the guests, all of the artists on the album, except for Moby, have been guests on my podcast. So that's cool. Uh, also, Deerhoof has a new album out. It came out March 31st, 2023. It is called Miracle Level. And uh, links to that are in the show notes. I've listened to the album. I had an advanced copy. It is great. But Deerhoof is great. That's why they're one of my favorite bands. And this conversation I had with Greg Sinier, uh actually was a project I was trying to get off the ground. It, I, I interviewed him. I was trying to do a project about Spotify. Uh, a documentary about Spotify and streaming and how, in general, the music industry has screwed over artists and now it's really coming to roost. The or That's not the phrase, but anyway, it's just now artists are getting extra screwed by streaming. So this is a big co- part of this conversation is about streaming and Spotify, and it's really informa- informative, and Greg is just an inspired, uh, really radical dude to talk to. So please... Uh, enjoy this conversation. Remember, all links to all the Deerhoof stuff is in the show notes, as well as the mat. You can go to thematdewar.com and you can become a Patreon subscriber. Where this pod, this episode lived on Patreon for a very long time, but now it's here. It was a Patreon exclusive, so please enjoy my conversation with Greg Sinier of Deerhoof. <laughs> thing is is, uh, there like there are some people who say positive things about Spotify and I'm I don't uh, do you have anything positive to say about them (laughs) I think
1: it would be useful to explore I mean I do think a big part of the discourse is what Spotify and, by extension, other large tech corporations think of themselves as doing. Because they seem to think of themselves as mavericks, revolutionaries, democratizers, um, uh, you know, rags to riches, success stories, um, revenge of the nerds, you know, uh, creating openness, creating opportunity for everyone. Um, And so sometimes I think that they actually believe this about themselves. So, Uh, I think, yeah, it makes sense to start in the 90s (laughs) when when people, when champions of this new thing, the internet, fantasized that it would be a democratizing force that would finally end a corporate stranglehold over society, um, and somehow there are a few that seem to still believe that. All evidence to the contrary, <laughs> uh, that uh, and uh, you know, on some kind of basic level, on paper. You could say to yourself, one could, one could argue that, well, with record labels and record stores, look at all the hoops you had to jump through before you ever even had a ghost of a chance of getting your record in a record store. Um, and then look at Spotify. Spotify. All you got to do is fill out a few forms and there's your song on Spotify ready for any person anywhere that has any phone signal or internet connection um, to to check out your song. So on this incredibly oversimplistic retelling uh, you could certainly spin it a certain way that it seemed like Everyone suddenly has this new opportunity that didn't exist for them before. <clears throat> every, every single person who, you know, wrote any kind of song, no matter how DIY, lo-fi, and minimal, and zero production cost, um, can now join... The biggest record store on earth, which which it isn't a record store, but the rig- the biggest music listening platform on earth, um, which would be Spotify. Um, <clears throat> actually, I don't think it's Spotify. I kind of think it's YouTube, and I think that the the dynamics are very similar, whether you're talking about YouTube or Spotify. Um, <laughs> but <clears throat> yeah, the reality is. I mean, there's several leaps of logic taking place in that narrative. One is that somehow the holy grail of music making was whatever ex- whatever the music industry was right before Spotify appeared, you know, which is not any kind of holy grail. That was already well on its way to, um, it's just more exaggerated now, but I mean... The, the, either the time right before the internet or the time right before Spotify and streaming took over, um, <laughs> was not some kind of golden years of the music industry. It, it's been a decades, if not century-long um, <clears throat> uh, process of more and more money that might have gone to a musician being siphoned off and extracted to just a continuously proliferating um, uh, avalanche of middlemen. Um, and <clears throat> uh, that the, those include, I mean, in other words, <laughs> to somehow say that you know, if what music was, at, at the, to me, a golden years of music would be, I have a song, I'm going to play it for you. know, <laughs> <laughs> And think about all of the, the additional complexities that are now involved. I produce music you know, for artists or mix their records and stuff. A lot of them are much younger than me. A lot of them are my personal friends, and I'm doing them a favor and I mix the record for them. <clears throat> and I always tell them, like, look, I'm gonna mix,
0: I'm gonna mix your song, I'm gonna mix your record, we're gonna get it to where we both think it sounds
1: totally amazing and we're gonna be so happy. But please <laughs> don't imagine that. Greg is somehow going to be your ticket to getting on record labels or figuring out how to be successful on streaming platforms or figuring out how to, uh, you know, pay your rent by doing music because I'm not going to be able to help you there. I don't know how to do any of those things, even though I Dierhoff has managed to do that, it's not because we pressed any one particular button or we had one particular secret um, that if we just would share it with you or we have one particular nepotistic connection that we can let you in on, you know. (laughs) It's not like that. And so I've watched so many friends of mine finish (coughs) finish their record. And be so proud of it and so happy with it, and can't wait to share it <laughs> and if this if if something were a golden years of that, then what they would be able to then do is share it. instead, <laughs> what they then embark upon is usually a two year uh, odyssey <laughs> in which uh, they send. A sound cloud of their record to every label they've ever heard of um, waiting for responses that takes they, they and then they get, and then getting no responses, they um, give up after maybe a year or so and say, oh, okay, either they give up and say, okay, I need to just self-release. And what that ends up meaning is filling out a bunch of forms um, to to be able to get it on Spotify, filling out a form to get it on Bandcamp if they want to sell it, for God's sake, you know. Um, And usually hiring a publicist uh, in lieu of a label um and the, the the publicist will charge you know could be something like $1000 a month for a 3 month campaign in which they they uh may or may not be of any help whatsoever but they claim to have expertise um what the publicist will not do that a publicist in you know the 60s might do is create a, a uh, some kind of promotional film, or maybe create a promotion or what we call a video now. Um, or they might create a some text that helps sell your record, uh, like a bio or a one sheet or a description. <laughs> Nowadays, the pu- that's not the publicist's job anymore. The publicist. Oh, well, oh, you want some text about your thing? No. Then we. I know some good writers. They only. It's it's maybe a thousand dollars a pop, but they're really good. And so they don't write that anymore. All they do is they have an email list. They just have a little black book. That's what a publicist is. Literally, they don't do text. Um, they don't do visuals. They don't do ideas for photo shoots. They don't do photo shoots. They don't do films. They don't do any of the materials that one would need to promote oneself. Um, Those then are also outsourced increasingly to ever more specialized you know, piles of, of more middlemen, um, who specialize. Well, I write bios, you know, I don't know. I don't have any email addresses for music journalists, but I write bios, you know, I do music videos. I do, I do photos. Well, I do styling for photos. You know, I, I bring the clothes, Ah, I do haircuts and, and um hairdressing for the photo or for the video. Um, you know, etc. I mean you can easily imagine it was video. So so by the time this this <laughs> person who's all they did was make a cool record, you know, has finished. Uh it's two years later. They've made no new music in that two years because they've spent it searching for outlets. Uh, and then they've spent thousands of dollars um, just trying to do the basics um, to to make it worth putting on Bandcamp or Spotify or, or YouTube or whatever. Um, the other option is they do get on a label. And then, of course, the label says, well, the manufacturing plant is backed up for over a year. So... Um, Yeah, the record's great, um, and we'll release it a year and a half from now. (laughs) So (laughs) then it'll be like, you know, basically a two and a half year odyssey for this artist before anybody hears their music. None of this is true. None of what I just described is true if you're already successful or if you're being underwritten by some wealthy corporation, um, you can be Beyonce and you can say, I'm going to release a record tomorrow and you know you're going to be fine and you don't have to go through any of this. Um, (laughs) And so, you know, one of the things that the 90s idealists, you know, the 90s internet fantasists um, didn't account for was Yes, anybody can get on the internet, but that doesn't mean that, those, that there aren't some who already have a great advantage. And it doesn't account for the, the way the internet via tech platforms tends to work, which we all know is that things go viral or they don't go viral. And so if you have more money, you're likely to make more money. It pays to be rich. If you start with connections, you're more likely to get more connections. If you start with um, already being famous, then you're much more likely for your next piece of content to be famous. Um, and then, if and then the way viral works is the more people you know just that exponential thing so the more people notice it the more times a hundred other people will notice it and everything's based on that kind of numbers game <clears throat>
0: um,
1: so yeah
0: it it um... that's how spotify sells it they sell it that that there's a chance of you'll get discovered and then you could you know be <laughs> Then you can make your money, not just from streaming, but touring and merch, which seems... And I do know, I've talked to two bands that have, and just inadvertently by having them on my podcast, and Spotify helped them. But I think that seems, the more Spotify grows, there's like millions of people putting up content on there now. Forgive the word content.
1: <laughs> it's, it's, well, first, of all, first of all, it's impossible to say, because none of us lives in an alternate reality where Spotify did not exist, and of course, if Spotify didn't exist, then it would be other streaming platforms. You know, whatever someone would have invented it, because it's an obvious way to to exploit, you know, uh, to exploit thing a thing that exists that humans make, which is music. Um, Spotify presents. Okay, so so. But Spotify helps me. In other words, I get a check, okay? And not only do I get a check, but my Spotify check is bigger than my Bandcamp check. It's bigger than my Apple Music check. It's bigger than my (coughs) publishing BMI check. It's bigger than my label check. Uh, You know, we make more from digital than we make from physical sales. And within digital, we make more from Spotify plays than we make from any other form of digital. But that that is not to say that Spotify pays enough. And it's not to say that what, what Deerhoof would be making if streaming did not did not take over the music universe. So it's not a fair, you know, it's not a fair statement to say that just because I got a check, that means they helped me. Um, Spotify presents itself, as many things do, as a meritocracy. So it's a, basically a competitive marketplace in which in which whoever's song is better is going to get on more playlists and it's going to get favorited more times and will go viral and do well and you'll get a bigger check. Um, Which, as it was when the same statement was made about record labels, it's a complete joke. Uh, Obviously, some people enter the competition with great advantages, and I just name them. If you're already starting with connections or you're already starting with money, funding, you know, an advance a, a recording deal if you're already starting by being somewhat famous for something you know, then you have an incredible advantage. It's not like, it's not like if I write a song and Taylor Swift writes a song and we both put it up at the exact the simultaneous second on Spotify, we each have an equal chance <laughs> of our personal innovation and musical quality uh, you know, Competing on a, a fa- on a level playing field—it's not like that—and um, everybody knows that, including Daniel Eck, But he doesn't. He wants to pretend that everybody has a fair shake. But see, <clears throat> even if it were a meritocracy and everything was like a blindfold test or something, the the turning of music—this thing that humans have ever done across the globe and throughout the ages into a numbers game where we just compete each other and, and may the best man win type of thing is itself. That premise is already wrong to me, you know. and it's more than, it's more than just sad. It's more than just a, a sort of crime against, you know, my, uh, my woo-woo uh, image of like people being able to share their music with each other and it all has value. <clears throat> that, that competition treated as as an overarching ethos that we all should be engaged in and that it's somehow healthy, that's literally destroying the planet. It's destroying our chance at <laughs> the species being allowed to <laughs> exist on the planet without being terminated sometimes in sometime in the next couple of decades, you know. Um, like, uh, <laughs> I not only disagree that Spotify is anything close to a meritocracy. I disagree with the notion of of a meritocracy to begin with. You know. Um, yeah. What else can you say that 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 Spotify thinks is good about itself? Well, I mean, you know, after this Neil Young Joe Rogan thing happened. You know, there was leaked leaked quotes from a um, you know kind of big uh, business meeting at Spotify, um, where hundreds of employees participated, and and Daniel Ek made a big speech to everyone, in which he said that you know the exact quote is available on the internet, and and I retweeted it at some point, um, and I don't remember the exact wording, but the gist of it was, sometimes in order for a company to grow, we have to get behind things that we don't personally agree with. That was his philosophy in a nutshell, and it was his justification for keeping Joe Rogan, uh, not only on Spotify, but as a featured, well-paid, um, and well-advertised, um, kind of, um, feathered in Spotify's cap, you know, one of their, their, what do you call it? You know, one of their top attractions um and i thought to myself you know thank you daniel x thank you for saying that thank you for thank you for saying the quiet part out loud in order for your company to grow sometimes you're going to have to do immoral things that you personally think are bad that that was the that was the definition of of capitalism right there and he he said it out loud and I was grateful that <clears throat> that he was so forthcoming um that about his own evil you know um and he didn't say sometimes in order to save humanity we have to allow people in whose opinions we don't agree with. He didn't say in order to feed uh, the hungry or to end coronavirus or to make sure that everyone has a home, a house, you know, we have to sometimes accept people that we don't agree with. He said in order for a company to grow. Now, again, we pretend that a company growing is some Force of nature that got invented at the at the beginning of the solar system, and it's just an obvious thing that that we're all supposed to accept as like just like some Darwinian thing. Like it's just part of life. Of course, your company wants to grow. That it's as basic as you know, it's as basic as needing to eat. But that this your company needs to grow is a 500-year-old invention, you know? It's a capitalist—it's just something somebody cooked up. And in those five years, the acceleration of the exploitation and destruction of the human race and and the planet's resources, you know, has, has obviously made any previous period of world history pale by comparison. Um, your company doesn't need to grow, Daniel Eck. Your company is big enough already. You don't need to grow your company anymore. No, you don't need to have Joe Rogan. You don't have to have you don't have to have people on there spouting lies, you know, about masks, um, and then pay them for it uh, in in order for anything. You know, sometimes enough isn't enough is enough. But that's not that's not the way corporations work. And obviously, when you look at the most successful tech corporations, that's not the way they work. Um, They gobble, you know, and, um, you know, Amazon being the most famous example, thinking of all of the things that they've gobbled up, you know, once, I mean, and it becomes an obvious, uh, (laughs) it's like an obvious contradiction or impossibility where, if you become that big, how are you still going to grow? You know, If you're already Amazon and you're the biggest online marketplace on earth, how are you going to grow anymore? Well, I guess let's start investing in like military surveillance and face recognition technology. Let's buy Whole Foods. Let's buy whatever that company was that... Um, where they where they send you all the ingredients uh, every week for your meals or whatever, and you make it at home, you know. They bought that. Um, you you just keep uh, you start building rockets and spaceships and stuff. Um, you know, at, at some point you run out. You you've basically hunted your prey to extinction, and you don't have anything else to exploit. Um, <laughs> Another thing I'll say about Spotify is just, you know, I think that at this point there's been so much discourse about Spotify that a lot of society is pretty familiar with it. There's the main things like, okay, the the Neil Young versus Joe Rogan controversy and they chose Joe Rogan, you know, so that a lot of people thought that that was very uncool. Um, A lot of people are aware that Spotify pays, you know, some incredibly infinitesimal fraction of a penny per play um, for each song. You know, that is starting to become more common knowledge, you know, how incredibly stingy they are about payment. Um, But sometimes I think that people still believe that Spotify is, in some sense, a music corporation. Spotify is, or, the, or people think that that Amazon is a bookstore, or they think that Facebook is a, is a place where you post pictures and comments and stories. All of these, what they are, are surveillance corporations, or that Google is a search engine where you can find things. What they are is surveillance corporations. Their their business model is to surveil the user and then sell the user to advertisers. That is the business model. Um, The music in Spotify's case is just their bait that they're using music as a trick to, because music is popular and because a lot of people would like to listen to music, uh, they know that they're going to get lots of data. They're going to get lots of stooges. Um, they're going to get lots of suckers on there um, who will willingly grant um, their every online pattern, their every listening preference, um, <laughs> their their every, you know, monthly cycle with their periods or with their depression or with their bipolar, you know, uh, emotional state, all of this will be clocked by AI robots um, in order to more effectively um, exploit that user in advertising later. Um, there's there's of course two tiers to Spotify. One is free, where you get literal advertisements. Um, and then one is the paid subscription where I guess you don't get advertisements. I don't have Spotify, so I'm, I'm not personally familiar with the, with the way that works. But, but <clears throat> there's still the sense in which, even the tier where you are not getting advertisements, that surveillance of your habits, your music listening habits is still central the business model. Um, so, and I think there's no getting around that. (laughs) I think people don't maybe realize as well that, that, so in other words, Spotify is a company whose business model it is to sell you the listener to corporations. That's their business model. And the way that they, their particular flavor of doing that is by using my music as a trick. As bait. (coughs) Other things I would say about Spotify. Um, this, This data collection, this data mining and profiling um, profiling of the listener in other words okay this is what I want to say the, 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 it is becoming more well known that Spotify is not a great deal for artists most people aren't artists um, and they're like oh that's sad but it doesn't necessarily touch me. What I'm trying to say now, what I'm trying to list now is are the, are now are the ways in which the listener is also exploited, perhaps without their knowledge. The listener is subjecting themselves to profiling and that profiling may take the form of, you know, just you know whether they like rock music or hip-hop music it may take the form of their gender it may take the form of their age you know whether they like listening to Neil Young or whether they like listening to uh, you know whatever's the newest thing on Top 40. Um, But it also of course takes the form of racial profiling and there was I think they may have discontinued it but there was a there was a kind of promotion that Spotify did a couple of years ago um, that was explicitly uh, racial profiling in which you they did a, um, what do they call that, when, when two corporations cooperate on a, uh, on a project, on a promotional campaign, you know, this co-campaign thing that with Ancestry.com, where they, they did a, a thing together with Ancestry.com where the user would if they also, you know, on this special deal, you could get a special deal on Ancestry.com and then that Ancestry information would be provided to Spotify so that like if you were like a little bit Irish, you'd suddenly get a bunch of like jigs in your, in your, <laughs> I mean, actually it probably wasn't jigs. It was probably, what's his name? Uh, that, that the, um, the, uh, the red haired really famous. No, 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 no. The the newer, the the guy who's... um,
0: I I can't think of his name, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, but you know who I'm talking about.
1: He's in all the movies, and he's always in comedy movies and stuff like that. He always makes an appearance. Um, Very popular, uh, smooth, like pop music. And uh, And, Ed Sheeran, right? Ed Sheeran. So suddenly Ed Sheeran starts appearing in your your, um, algorithm uh, more. And of course, you know, if if you've got like some Latin roots, then you you start getting like Musica Latina, you know, showing up more in your algorithm, you know. So whatever. I mean, we can judge that to be silly. We can judge it to be nefarious. Um, but it does come down to um, the 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 algorithm is banking on racial stereotypes. Um, and hoping for, and encouraging, and incentivizing, both for the listener and for the advertisers, um, racial profiling, um, uh, uh, cultural identity as a way to more effectively exploit the user. Um, and we can each make our own personal decision, how comfortable we are with that idea. Um, <laughs> Daniel Eck invested how many hundreds of millions of dollars? I, I can't remember, uh, into maybe it wasn't hundreds, but, but, but millions of dollars in a, uh in some Scandinavian defense uh, contractor. When the story broke, you know, a few years ago, it definitely got some traction, and some people remember it and some people don't. But we have to, you know, every artist and every user is faced with a choice now. So if... (laughs) If my payout is 0.00001 cent per play, and we know how much the advertisers are, are paying to be on Spotify, where's the rest of that money going? And since, and since we have to accept that any artist who puts a song on Spotify is, is making a free advertisement for Spotify, just as any person who posts a picture on Instagram, especially if it's good, is now making an advertisement for Instagram, free of charge. I'm, I'm now doing a solid for Mark Zuckerberg, um, just for free, pro bono. Mark Zuckerberg, you're a great guy. I'm going to do you a favor. Um, I'm going to put a really cool picture on Instagram and make Instagram cool for you so that you can make more money and buy more Hawaiian islands or whatever. Um, it's the same on Spotify. I'm going to make a really great song just for you, Daniel Eck. I'm going to make a great song and put it on Spotify so that Spotify has more value. And I'm going to do it for free. I'm... I'm uh, I'm just going to post this song i'm not going to ask for any payment um if it gets played then i'll make this infinitesimal fraction of a cent um each time that it does but but i'm going to do the labor of making a spotify advertisement for you and just as a gift um that's that's the model and uh what was i going to say about that um uh I uh, lost my original point. Um, oh, and so <laughs> in doing these favors for these tech multibillionaires, you know, from, our gen- from the generosity of our hearts um, that we would freely and uh, give <laughs> these advertisements to these guys, we're also meant to have no opinion and preferably no knowledge of who it is we're supporting. And once they have received all this money via our free gifts, we're supposed to not care or preferably even know how they spend that money and whether whether they spend it in a way that is in any way in agreement with anything we might desire on this planet. And so, if he <laughs> takes my free gift and what he spends it on is to to invest in, in a Scandinavian defense, you know, arms dealer. <laughs> You know, arms dealer. it's like think of every james bond movie every action movie there's ever been it's like the worst of the worst scum of the earth is always the arms dealer like literally when they really have to come up with a heavy that's like the most evil you know it's always an arms dealer because that is the scum of the most scum of the earth thing that anybody can dream up well that's what that's what I'm giving my money to. That's what I'm providing my labor for. Is an arms dealer. Okay. That's that's what Greg's song, you know, is now is now. That's where my money is going. You know, and I meant to have no feelings about that. I meant actually to not even know. Um, I'm sure he was sad when the information leaked that that's where he was investing his fortune. Um, <laughs> And I personally find that to be both normalized and just the biggest slap in the face imaginable. And it just happened again with Bandcamp, and I couldn't believe it, Um, where this thing that I thought I was supporting and I was so happy was getting a percentage of every sale that, that Deerhoof made is now bought by some multi-billion dollar corporation that does video games. And, um, uh, and, uh, and they send out the press release saying, we've got great news. Our interface is going to be slicker than ever. And all these problems that you guys have had are going to be solved. And literally no, not even a, a whisper of a mention of the possibility that Any of us little people, peons, might ever care where our money is going. Now, I think, I mean, you read the IPCC report, and it's like it clearly says billionaires need to not exist anymore, and that that needs to they need to be taxed out of existence within like the next like eight years or we're all doomed. <laughs> you know? And I'm saying like, why now my money is going to some billionaire. I can't believe this. And I'm, and you're trying to tell me this is good news and that it should never even enter my consciousness that I would ever have an opinion about that. And, and I, I feel that that is normalized. And that's obviously the, the, uh, <laughs> you know, this sort of like corporate, you know, service with a smile kind of BS that, that comes from Spotify and comes from everywhere. Um, and it's not like us peons don't realize that there's, you know, that they're in fact, <laughs> we're backed into a corner and we have no moral choices. It's like, I mean, trust me, I've had conversations with with several labels that Beerhof has been on since Spotify gobbled up the universe. Um, I've had, we've been on polyvinyl and on Joyful Noise during those years. And with both of them, I've brought up multiple times, like, isn't there any way we could just go on strike? I don't want to be on Spotify anymore. Um, And again, it's not a boycott. It's a strike. We're providing the labor, right? We're doing all the work and we're getting paid uh, nothing, next to nothing, unless you go viral, unless you're Taylor Swift, then you get paid a lot, then you're Kanye West. Um, but but, uh, but if, uh, if you're a normal person, you get paid very little. Uh, and so it would not be a boycott, it would be a strike. And I asked, can we go on strike? And the answer is always, no, Greg, you can't go on strike because unless you want to give up, unless you want to no longer be a musician, then feel free. Um, But to be a musician on planet earth right now, unless you're Neil Young and Joni Mitchell and you're already a multimillionaire, um, your only option is to be on Spotify, period. End of conversation, and so so I am now an employee of whatever that that uh, uh, not not an employee, a slave of whatever that defense contract that arms dealer is. I'm their I'm their bitch, you know, um, and I have
0: no say in the matter. Period. That's it. Does it bother you that Neil Young and those people took an issue with Joe Rogan and not the fact that artists are? being paid so little like that to me was like why would you not speak up about that especially since i know neil young does not like spotify to begin with
1: he's mean you know whatever i mean yes i you know he's a celebrity and i'm allowed to to have an opinion about celebrities but it's kind of like you know sure i can say that um but you know (laughs) That doesn't touch him. He's a rich man. You know, that, that, that. <laughs> yes, who knows? We can all speculate on what one rich baby boomer, um, whose music I love, um, um, could have said in a tweet or in a press release um, that might have raised consciousness generally in Spotify discourse. Yes, you know, of course. (laughs) Like, if I had been the one writing that press release for him, then yeah, I would have written it differently, of course. But the fact is, one hero, one, one money bags carrying hero is not going to, I mean, is it's like a, a non-issue, you know, to a, a corporate giant like that. Um, you know, what, what would need to happen would be what is just, there's the slightest glimmer of hope that it might be happening with Amazon or with Starbucks, which is unions. And no matter how many millions of dollars over like just like a month or two, Amazon is willing to spend to prevent a union from forming in one warehouse, you know, millions of dollars to prevent a union from forming. That's what it's worth to them. That's, you know, in other words, labor, There would have to be some kind of revolution of, you know, a lot of people all at once going on strike. Um, and that would be the only way. It's not just a matter of how did Neil Young word his press release. I think it's cool that he did that. Yes, he could have done it better uh, from my point of view, not from his. Um, uh, uh, but yeah, what would need to happen? I mean, to me, it's like one of the, another one of the side effects, and I'm, this is a such a wonderful side effect for someone like Daniel Ack, who's just raking it in laughing all the way to the bank <laughs> a side effect is that kids are growing up believing and now it's 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 been happening long enough that it's nearly a generation's worth kids are growing up believing in the right to free music that that's just a human right it's like clothes it's like food healthcare, a house you know basic human rights. free music free of charge um, in america we don't know about Free healthcare, but but uh, in mo- in most countries, most countries, kids grow up believing that healthcare is a free human right, free of charge, um, and so that's now. You know, I'm not sure that you can fight that battle anymore, um, and say no, it's it's not your right, and pay me. <laughs> but if it is a human right, then nationalize it don't don't have it be Spotify don't have it be um you know uh, whatever uh, Kaiser Permanente you know or whatever like the uh, private health insurance companies single payer you know should be uh, should be nationalized and it should not be done for profit um if it's a human right then that's what it is but try telling that to to any lawmaker you know who barely understands what radio is, let alone the internet, you know, and and has no idea about regulating artificial intelligence or understanding what an algorithm is or or how insidious uh, it is. Um, You know, you just kind of feel like this is never going to happen, you know, (laughs) nationalized streaming. It's a great idea. I mean, it would be the same with movies, you know, nationalized streaming. If everybody thinks it's, it's their right to free movies from now till the end of time, then if it's a right, then it should be nationalized. It should not be done by, it should not be monopolized by, you know, or like near monopolized by a handful of two to three multi-billionaires, you know.
0: Somebody was saying, and I wish I could remember who, that it would be great if the libraries started Streaming right. Like you get audio oh, exactly. So I get audio music There you go There you go But
1: But once a tech company Has become such a large share Of the world economy It's too big to fail Everybody remember Barack Obama Too big to fail At that point you're screwed It's like No <laughs> Like literally Our economy Our GDP our Our Like ability to look like a wealthy country. Now, Spotify is Swedish, but um, but it has a large effect on the world economy. And you can't start regulating big tech. The world economy will collapse. I mean, we're seeing it right now with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. You can't regulate fossil fuels. you sorry. <laughs> we can talk about it. We can make campaign promises, but sorry, can't do that. Our economy relies, you go back to Barack Obama, it's like, yeah, sure, we can talk about regulating finance. We can talk about regulating Wall Street. Can't do it. Our entire success as a society rests on that trickery. It rests on that evil. If you regulated it, you wouldn't have an economy anymore. (laughs) You know? Um, uh, and so I think that's why sometimes a person like Daniel Eck sees themselves as a renegade or revolutionary or a maverick, you know, or whatever all these, whatever all these most powerful, most rich people on the earth think of themselves as, you know, which is like Totally adorable, you know, (laughs) the the, the idea that basically the exact definition of a, whatever is the opposite of a renegade maverick or revolutionary, like literally the establishment, the richest, most powerful people on earth, you know, (laughs) making rules, uh, you know, for the largest, most armed country, you know, uh, on the planet, that uh, these people could ever think of themselves as renegades or mavericks or revolutionaries is adorable. But you can understand why they think that because they achieved that their power and wealth by cheating and by gaming the system, and by hacking this, by life hacks, and and workarounds, and loopholes. Um, and so they see themselves as, at least as cheaters, which is true, they are cheaters, um, and uh, geniuses, you know, at, at manipulating the game to their advantage. And they see capitalism as morally correct. So, win at all costs. Um, Sometimes you have to do things that are evil in order for your company to grow, in order for you to win that capitalist competition. And is, capitalism is, not, is a force of nature. It's not an invention by Adam Smith 500 years ago. It's a force of nature that always existed. Look at birds. They're capitalists. You know, they fight over food. You know, they're capitalists too. So that means capitalists is, is good. That means greed is good, you know. Um, and that's how we should run the planet. Um, and they see themselves as winning via cheating, same way Trump does, you know, sees themselves as winning the game, which is a good game. Of course, the game looks a lot better when you won it. Um, <laughs> but winning the game via cheating. And so I think that that's why they think of themselves as rule breakers and like rebels and, and cool people. And um, and so they try to brand themselves. I mean, Elon Musk buying Twitter, another great example, Uh, Branding themselves as the solution to the problem
0: that they are. I like that. Yeah. Do you think, (laughs) because Daniel Elk Eck... I like to say elk. I don't, I don't <laughs> no, I, but I don't want to insult the. Elk. It's just like some
1: big Swedish, like uh, you know, like
0: a. Uh, I don't want to insult <laughs> elks. Oh, no, I like no. elks. That's an insult. Yeah, elk. no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, but he he tells it as if they saved streaming, saved the record business, that they were in trouble because <laughs> of piracy, which I don't. I personally know. I know people who pirated <laughs> music. I may have done some. But I still yeah. bought music. I mostly did it because I didn't want to blow twenty bucks on a CD I'd end up hating. That's literally, and then I'd still go buy it. So I don't know if I buy piracy was really destroying the record business. Do you? Is oh, there what he
1: what he did was was he made it worse. Um, and that's what I was saying earlier that, that if you if the premise of your narration of this story of the history of music presupposes that, that, um, you know, 1989 was the, was Eden. (laughs) It was the garden of Eden, you know, and that's when music and the music industry were all perfect. And then Napster came along, um, you know, in the, in the nineties and, and desecrated Eden and somebody, from the tree of knowledge, the apple from the tree of knowledge and spoiled it all. Um, If you're starting with that as your premise, then, then, yeah, you can say, oh, well, then Spotify saved it. You know, the premise is wrong. Um, If you actually look at the history of capitalism's relationship to music and then neoliberalism's relation to music you know, starting in the 70s or starting in the Reagan years. And, um, you know, the, the encouragement of corporate mergers and, and just ever larger corporate um, conglomerates, multinational conglomerates that, that do two things. They gobble up more and more of human life for their own profit, um, they find new new things to monetize um, that had never been monetized before. They they find new things that used to be in the commons: air, water, you know, um, open space, relaxation time, sleep, you know, uh, leisure, and finds ways to turn those into things that you sell, you know? How about health? How about mental health? Um, Those used to be just human rights or human kind of... um, just things that existed in human beings naturally, but they've been turned via the neoliberal project into things that you buy and sell i'm going to take away your mental health and then sell it back to you for a price i'm going to damage your mental health on purpose and then offer back at a price some kind of peace some kind of some kind of repair of the damage that we created I mean, Facebook is obviously that model. You know, I'm going to make you completely nuts, you know, and then I'm going to offer things that that help soothe you in your bananasness, you know. Um, and so, uh, and then, and then the idea, the other part of the the, and, and then this will all be more and more for the benefit of fewer and fewer, increasingly rich handful of human beings um, who own, who are, you know, they have their hands in real estate. They have the Hands in arms dealership. They have their hands in big tech. They have their hands in food. They have their hands in oil. They have their hands in in um, media. You know. Um, and if you think, you know, oh God, I mean, when I was talking about Bezos, I, I mentioned Whole Foods and that weird like cook at home thing. I totally forgot he owns the Washington Post. You know, it's like perfect example. Or Elon Musk. He owns the cars, but he also now he just bought his Twitter. You know, so it's like he's in charge of that. Um, It's like ever more of life is being turned from life into a commodity that is being bought and sold for the benefit of ever shrinking number of increasingly rich people. The other side of the neoliberal project, other than that, is the shifting of all risk involved to the population and away from the corporation and away from the CEO. So for example, you know, I mean, Daniel Eck could not be spouting, could not be gaslighting us any harder when he says that he saved the music industry. The music industry consisted of record labels. Don't you realize what record labels do? They invest in artists. They say, here's several thousand dollars. Go to a recording studio and make the best record you can make. And then we're going to front the money to promote it and sell it and market it and stuff. Now, again, I don't think that's the golden years or Garden of Eden of, of the best way that human beings have ever dealt with musical sound. But I do think that record labels are a thing that support artists, okay? Replacing record labels with streaming, you're sorry, Daniel Eck, but you're leaving out a pretty big piece of that narrative there. You are not supporting artists. You are not investing a dime of your money or your energy or your thought or your creativity into any artist. I mean, with the exception of Joe Rogan or a few podcasts where they actually do pay uh, do pay them up front to exist on Spotify. That's the only exception. Um, if you're, if you're Joe Schmo, if you're me, if you're just somebody, you know, who writes music, um, a record label, if you're lucky enough to get on one, wants the same thing that you do and they're trying to help. And they give you money. They give you their labor. They give you their time. They devote it to you to make your record better and to make it do well. And, uh, that is not part of streaming's model. They just take it, whatever it is, um, and, uh, give nothing. (laughs) So no, you didn't, You didn't save the music industry. Um, and, uh, I think that that's a, another big misconception um, when people talk about streaming being the new record label, um, is that they they don't have to do any work. It's just come to Papa, you know, just give me all your stuff. <laughs> here fill out these forms. All in other words, all risk falls on the on the on the artist. Um, Spotify risks nothing. Um, at least in that sense, um, they, they risked money to create Spotify, you know, or to buy new furniture for their headquarters or whatever, you know, never do a redesign of their of their uh, corporate HQ offices or whatever, you know, which they famously did a few years ago while claiming to, to still be in the red as a company, you know, <laughs> do this multi-million dollar refit of their offices. Um, so it's not like they took no risk, but in terms of, in terms of his claim that he saved the record industry, um, um, if so, he did it by shifting 100% of the risk the artist who now is not a label no anything. Uh, it, it's, it's all up to them. The labor is all the record if you're not on the label. Which Spotify is helping. Spotify is helping to destroy record labels and to replace the ability for record labels to survive via selling records. Um, record labels are weathering the spotify storm to
0: with varying degrees of success but a lot of them are going out of business um when you when you say labels you don't uh, do you uh, do you include warner and sony in that or Mm -hmm. because i I don't hear not as much because they
1: made backroom deals and i don't know every detail of that but it's very worth looking into um, I've read articles on it and a lot of it makes my eyes glaze over, but the, the major labels, the big corporate labels made backroom deals early on with Spotify such that they would not be, their business would not be threatened by the onslaught of, of streaming. But I mean, joyful noise, you know, whatever, like, you know, whatever labels, most of us are, on, <laughs> it's like, did not have any backroom deal with, with, uh,
0: with Spotify, and uh, do you know how those so, are weathering the storm? <laughs> joyful noise. And- some of them are
1: weathering the storm well. Some are not. Um, but the point is not how did it turn out, or at least the point I'm. It is a point, but it's not the point I'm making. I'm saying that the risk got shifted, and that that as more and more people. I mean, the pandemic helped with this too, as more and more people want to be musicians and are spending their time making music and, few, and there are fewer and fewer spaces on any labels for you to get onto and people don't have capital to invest in anything and everybody is more hard up than ever um, and everybody's hand to mouth these days. Um, it's like you, you probably aren't going to get on the label. And all these artists whose music I'm helping produce are in that boat. Well, I couldn't get on a label. All of the risk is shifted to you now. All of the financial outlay is, is yours to shoulder. Um, you've got to pay for a publicist. And then when the publicist says, I need, I need somebody to write your bio, then you have to pay that person to write the bio. And they say, well, I need some good photos. These aren't good enough. You've got to hire the photographer. And when the photographer says, "I don't like your outfit," you've got to hire the stylist, you know, and the hairdresser, and the and the studio to do it in. They've got a cost, you know. All of that has now shifted to the individual, away from the company. If Spotify is now the company, then they're setting a new world record for the least amount that a company will will help. They've actually gotten to the magic number of zero because they will help you zero. You know, all they will do is provides proof provide, have the kindness of their hearts, They will provide some forms for you to fill out so that you can be on their website. Um, that's it. You know,
0: do you have, <laughs> and, uh, um, do you, what? have do you have any hope that this will, Change like I mean like Bandcamp being sold broke my heart because I was like, and you know they claim okay. supposedly they're going to keep the same ethics, but you know corporations real good at keeping promises.
1: <laughs> well, I mean no, by, that's what I'm saying. I thought their ethics were something sustainable. They they already broke their ethics. That, that's what my feeling was. The world needs to not have billionaires. If, if my money, if my band can't profit So now going to a billionaire They've already broken <laughs> Come on now We're talking about the end of uh, Termination of the human species We're not talking about like You know I, I had to eat a hamburger instead of, instead of spaghetti that I wanted tonight or I didn't get some ice cream for dessert. You know, we're talking about termination of the species according to the UN, saying no more billionaires. We need to end this thing about the billionaires. the billionaire thing. we got, we got to phase that out. And now now my money's going to a billion, you know? Now, every time I make a good song, every time I write a good song, this billionaire gets more billions, you know? they've already broken my trust. They've already, like, it's not like, (laughs) it's not a question of them breaking a promise for me that that it's already been broken as far as I'm
0: concerned. Do you think Um, there'll be a new, I don't know, do you have hope that something else will come along or that a new movement that maybe people would move away from that stuff? Or is that too... uh... I mean, the the hopeful
1: thing that I, I described would be a mass strike. Um, and then the possible nationalization. If, if the human race, if we took a referendum, you know, ballot initiative, and, and everybody said, yeah, I think free recorded music is a basic human right, and we all deserve free recorded music all, all the time via the internet or a cell phone signal, um, that streaming is a basic human right, if the human population believes that, and I'm willing to go along with that, then that obviously means to me nationalization. That means that, uh, or some other cooperative system in which it does not enrich one billionaire CEO, but something that's for the benefit of everybody. Some kind of cooperative pool, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to make a prediction about what's possible. I mean, everything that's happened in the past five years or so, you know, who could have predicted, you know, it's just like uh, one calamity after another, or at least one, one very unpredictable thing after another. Um, I would say that there are two simultaneous trends going on right now, large trends in human society. One, the more powerful one at the moment. Is towards the greater concentration of wealth and power in fewer and fewer hands. That one is obvious. You see it in every country. You see it over several decades, just continuing to be the case. Fewer and fewer people have more and more money and more power um, and more arms. Um, so that's that's the dominant trend, and that one is obviously uh, suicidal for the for the species. Um, and Every report, whether it's from the U.N. or whether it's from the U.S. Army or whether it's from the Trump administration's own people, you know, every report says that that's true and that it will doom the species um, and make the planet non-inhabitable. There's also another trend, which is not dominant. It's losing. But there is a trend uh, towards um, um, refusal to participate um, forming of unions um, large amounts of strikes um, and a basically a battle against exploitation and and sort of um, the corporate takeover of existence in um, And that battle includes the hearts of most inhabitants of planet Earth, most human inhabitants of planet Earth, feel that corporations are too strong. Almost everybody feels that in their heart. At the same time, they're all continuing to live their lives in such a way that they continue to strengthen corporations, but in their hearts. They believe that it's wrong. They just feel they have no choice. Um, Enough scarcity has been created that they're begging for scraps. You know, we're all begging for scraps, you know, teeny bits of attention. Um, And obviously, streaming and the Internet in general is an attention economy where we're all begging for other people's eyeballs and begging for other people's ears and trying to get their attention. But in their hearts, most members of the human race believe that corporations have too much power and believe correctly that governments are nothing but the policy wing of corporations. Um, And we all kind of know intuitively that that's true. Um, So we are the majority of humans. That gives me hope. But, But <laughs> the actual way that human life has been panning out is according to the wishes of the 0.01%, you know. Um, it's it's their desires that always end up becoming policy. Um, and so you know if you there've been studies done, you know, to, that show that actual laws that end up getting made. Are the same as what the richest fraction of one percent want in almost every case, and not what most people want um, in almost any case. But you know there are those two. There are those two forces happening right now. One is dominant. You got about fourteen people, fourteen mega billionaires who control the fate of the planet, and then you've got everybody else. But and and that they dominate it currently. But there is the hope that um, via massed action of some kind, um, you know, it wouldn't to me mean necessarily an end to streaming. It would just mean streaming operated not for the profit of Daniel A. <laughs> um,
0: well, thank you. I don't want to take up more of your time, Greg. I've, this is great, though. I really appreciate you. But you're a brilliant dude. Did you know that? No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the first to I'm tell you. I'm just it? ranting, you
1: know, you know.
0: Yeah, well, you're it's intelligent ranting, it's not like uh, <laughs> some guy on the street corner yelling at the.
1: <laughs> I'm on the street
0: corner. <laughs> hey, do you guys have any plan on playing LA anytime? I looked at your schedule, in, the, just... it's not
1: going to be till uh November. We'll be there
0: in November of this year. Yeah, this year. My birthday's the 19th, so let's, let's make it that Okay, we'll try and make it, oh
1: my God, my ex-girlfriend, my ex-girlfriend, my ex-girlfriend was November 19th. Oh. Is that uh, right? Yeah. No, she's my, my really good, good friend. I'm May 18th, so you and I are almost exactly on birthday. Oh. My- right? Wouldn't November 18th be
0: no, my on birthday? Maybe not. My daughter is uh... oh maybe you're right maybe it's October yeah no you're right she's October My... anyway you're right um,
1: but yes we'll try and we'll try and make it uh, uh, November 19th if possible if not then uh, I... you know we play, one time we played LA it was uh, it was for Adam McKay's birthday. I was there it was he had his birthday <laughs> you were there.
0: I, that was the only time I've seen you It was play. so
1: fun, that was the day that I met Adam McKay And I just, you know Every time I've interacted with him since I've just been like, you know I really like him a lot He's and, great, uh, uh, yeah, cause I'm, I'll And I've really admired what he's done
0: Yeah, he's great I'm actually gonna ask him if he well, I'm gonna email him and see if he wants to Listen to this okay. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but that's Yeah Because that was the first time I've seen you play I, It's the only time I've seen you play And I just I had Listened to you Obviously a thousand times And when I saw The size of your drum kit And what you could do with it I was just Fucking f- Floored because I, I assumed you had a bigger kit Like a big kit And I was like I right. don't know how this guy's getting these fucking sounds out of this thing <laughs> But I was just mind blowing I'm too
1: lazy to carry it all You know It doesn't fit in a minivan You know <laughs> No
0: You know You don't want a gong and a double bass drum? No, man
1: I mean, you know If somebody else wants to, to, to uh, load it up And, you know <laughs> Then sure, I'll hit a gong you know? <laughs> A
0: gong you set on fire?
1: That was the uh, <laughs> Yeah Somebody oh my God! Alex Van Halen is the greatest. Yeah.
0: Who worked, was he? Like a drum hero?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely. I love Alex Van Halen so much. I love the way he plays. I feel like I got my big hi hats idea from him. I don't know if he has big hi hats. They just always sound big on those Van Halen records.
0: <laughs> how, how big is your hi hat?
1: Well, I was using, I was using like maybe twenty inch for a long time i'm not using any hi-hats now actually um but the last time i was using hi-hats they were 20 inch it was just two ride cymbals you know but i was like trying to get the alex van halen sound
0: wow, that's <laughs> so if you change what you play it just, obviously that alters what you do live or because you can't make it if you don't no longer use a hi-hat and you had a hi-hat before do you just switch to the ride
1: um, I've been mostly on this, uh, you know, we just started playing again. You know, we've had one tour, um, which was three weeks ago. Um, you know, in two years of, of not being able to tour. And, uh, I've been riding on the snare. I realize it's my new favorite thing to do. I'm riding on the snare. So right hand is on the, is on the snare playing quietly. And then the left hand is, is also on the snare making a different sound two different sounds on the snare basically you know hitting in a different place uh, you know on the on the head and with a different touch or whatever um, or i just sort of click on the edge of the snare i'm trying to use my symbol as little as possible it drives satomi crazy <laughs> <laughs>
0: so yeah. i will whatever the date is you play in november unless i'm right on uh, i will do my best to be there because uh, I would like to see it again. I need some t-shirts. I need a deer hoof
1: (laughs) Yeah, please. Let's keep in touch, okay? Like, if if you have any more questions or thoughts, or if I have any more questions or thoughts regarding Spotify, or if I think of things that I wanted to say that I forgot or something, please do, please do. I would love to stay in touch. And, you know, I do think it matters. And, and, uh, you know, it's worth looking at it, frankly. And I'm not even sure that I have a, a very original or, or insightful view on it. I, I still feel a little bit like I'm just sort of repeating things that I read elsewhere, I but it, it's time for, it's time for a, um, you know, a sweeping <laughs> hot take, you know, it's a, a total reframing of the, of the Spotify question. You
0: I, know, I feel like people need to be talking about it more. I know like it, my world is limited. So it's like everyone I know is can talks about it, but I don't, it doesn't branch right. And, yeah, I talked yeah. to I don't know if you know journalist Abby Martin but I talked to her about I it know now. the name yeah and, right and she was mm-hmm. uh, she was like yeah this people need to talk about this like this is a this need to, yeah. and it's you know it's more exploitation of the worker type shit that our country is really fucking Yeah and Yeah, and
1: like I'm saying it's also exploitation of the listener Who thinks that they're just a customer, but they're actually what is being sold, you know? I think that sometimes maybe people are not aware that the way media works um, when there's advertising involved, um, corporate advertising, is that they are the thing being sold. And it's true of the New York Times, but it's especially true when you're talking about tech algorithms and surveillance models. The business model is that if you if you use Spotify, you're the thing being sold to, to billionaires. You're being sold to billionaires. And the billionaires are saying, great, thanks. I'm glad that I have you now. I've got you in my clutches, you know. And now I'm going to manipulate you um, according to your weaknesses. That's all it is. Um, anyway... I actually do have to go because I got another call. I have to <laughs> I have to get on. Uh, All right. Thank you, Greg. People are playing. Me. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk again soon, Matt. All Thanks right. so much for thank calling. Thank you.